Being a child, um, my interactions with law enforcement was very negative, and I wanted to make sure that never happened to somebody else as long as I could help it. And the only way that I could help it is if I became an officer. Welcome to Creating Community with Dorian and JK, a podcast designed to bring area leaders, business owners, and other interesting people together to better our community. I'm your co-host, Jake Starkey. And I'm your other co-host, Dorian Strickland. We're the owners of 1820 Marketing and 1820 Coffee House in the heart of Alvin, Texas. And we are in season two of the podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to showcase the amazing people, businesses, and organizations that we have in and around Brazoria County. So if you know someone who should be highlighted, please email us at info at 1820marketing.com to let us know. Today, we are again at the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce, one of the sponsors of this podcast. Texas Snowfruit, located in Scopel Square, is also a sponsor of this podcast, and you can learn more about them later on in the show. If you're a first-time listener, we would love for you to subscribe to Creating Community on your favorite podcast app. Creating Community with Dorian and Jake is available wherever you get your podcast, or you can listen directly at 1820marketing.com slash podcast. In this episode, we're talking with Greg and Camille Hernandez, a couple of local police officers. One's an officer, one is a sergeant from different departments, but from one family. We're excited to have them on the podcast. Welcome. So besides the time that we had then President Jamie Scafidi and uh, Carrie Perrin. Carrie, yeah, I was trying to think of his job. Current. Probably, current president um, on the show. This is, besides that opportunity, this is the first time we've had two people at the same time on the podcast and the first time we're interviewing two people at the same time. So we're just going to dive right in. This should be fun. So you're both police officers. Correct. Um, but you, y'all are, you do more than that. You're a new officer. I am. And then you're a veteran officer with uh, 18 years with the County constable's office. Sure. Buck Stevens. Exactly. 18 years. Has it always been as a constable? Uh, I did three years for the city of Brookside village police department. Oh, apparently that's correct. I grew up actually in Brookside. So uh, it was only a natural thing to, to start my career there. Plus I had a good friend that worked for that department at the time that we grew up together. <clears throat> and then after the three years, I made the transition to the constable's office and I've been there um, for, it'll be 15 years this year, October. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. My uh, first year of elementary school was at Brookside. Law on elementary. Long okay. time ago. Well, and so in dating Camille, uh-huh. what made you want to become a police officer? I, Cause I, I, you hear experiences. We actually talked about this this morning together that a lot of times police officers come home and don't necessarily share their full experience sure. because it's right. a lot to take on. It is. What is it, was it, we can, obviously I'll work in different departments. Is it, we can do this together or like, what was it that intrigued you about becoming a police officer? So it's something I've always wanted to do. And being a child, um, my interactions with law enforcement was very negative. Okay. And I wanted to make sure that never happened to somebody else as long as I could help it. And the only way that I could help it is if, I became an officer, you know, so whatever their situation is, you know, however awful it may be, I can make sure that I can do the best job possible for them in that sure. situation. Right. And, gotcha. and where did you grow up? We learned you grew up in Brookside. Where did you grow up? So I was a military brat. So we moved around a lot. Everywhere. But, right. But I took home base for us. I would say it's Friendswood. Was it your mom or your dad that was military? Both of them. So okay. my parents are divorced. They both, that's how they mm-hmm. met, but um, both of them. 
And uh, so they started in Georgia, and then we moved to Texas and Louisiana and back to Texas. Gotcha. Okay. Do you guys want to tell us how you met? So I worked for the city before. Before she was a police officer, she worked for the city in another capacity. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And we would have interactions as um, the day progressed, me doing evictions and having to have her assistance with um, certain situations. Yeah. Um, so we met that way and um, we slowly became good friends with each other. And over the course of a couple of years, you know, we'd start hanging out and going to lunch and stuff. And I'd, as, as friends do, would, would confide in her and, and what's going on and, and her with me as well. And uh, we basically really became really, really good like friends. Like best friends. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. And, and just, you know, the things that you wouldn't, tell that you couldn't tell your your spouse or whoever else we'd confide in each other with it and uh it just that's that's how it started of course and we and, and nothing and on them they just they couldn't really yeah not well, being in law enforcement i think one of the things that you mentioned there that uh, i've heard buck give uh, talks before and, and kind of the explanation of the, and when you refer to buck you're saying buck stevens yeah the constable's office does a lot of evictions correct that cannot be an easy thing i guess and, and and here's why for every one person that probably just doesn't care that they're getting evicted and they've trashed the place and everything else i would say probably another vast majority their hearts breaking like they're they don't want to get evicted but obviously circumstances have exactly and come to that situation office you know we are just a a vessel that the mm-hmm. landlords use so it's nothing on on our part it's it's a job and you know even my father when i started this job he was like you know how can you do this you know it's like well you know i have to pay my mortgage or i can expect the same fate you know yeah, yeah so, i mean what about the person that exactly the other end not of getting it. their rent exactly. right who's, who's so it affects you know more people down the line and it's you'll get all kinds we've we've run into situations where we've knocked on doors and people were still fully living in their homes like they did not take this seriously and it's like like nope. they didn't see it coming no we've we've posted we posted notices they've been to court they were told that this date that they would have to move out like in denial and, and just assumed wow, it would nothing pass. wow and then we walk in and there's photos on the walls there's kids clothes there's kids toys like they didn't pack nothing so what do you do in that situation if they're evicting they have to leave and so whatever they can take with them they can take we oh. usually give them 15 minutes to take stuff for work school medications important wow. paperwork after that we contact a local mover who's bonded or insured bonded and insured I'm okay. sorry, and we'll have them move their their stuff and then they can make good with the bonds with the i'm sorry with the moving company if they gotcha. wish to get their, their stuff back I but gotcha. yeah it's just amazing the the the, you know the spectrum of people you 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 come into contact with and um in one case i remember i came across with a, an older gentleman who was a veteran he's like you know this was during the big mortgage crash and oh, yeah, where they were where they were giving people mortgages without even really you know oh, yeah. doing their the paperwork on the backgrounds of them and he's like you know they gave me a mortgage i couldn't afford on my fixed income and they knew they did that he says i know i have to go i'm gonna go live with my son now and you know he was very saddened by it and it was it was a bad situation but yeah. he understood and you know that went, went well so but right so but, yeah, well, we're we, getting off track. Well, <laughs> and, and we touched on why Camille wanted to be a police officer. What about for you? What was what was it for lifelong you? dream? It really was. Really? Um, yeah, uh, you know, I've had every every job in the book that you can really consider, and <laughs> I will run 
through a small list of them because it will take me forever. But, you know, I started as a sacker at Kroger at 15. I've always had a job. I've never been unemployed. Um, So I started as a sacker. I did Pearland Printing and Off Supply. I did the VA's administration office. I worked for Edgar Drugs. I worked at the bakery for Apple Tree. I worked at a um, Inland Electric as a journeyman. I worked at a a milkman delivering milk for Chef's Dairy. I worked for the beer company. I was a salesman for Red Bull. So, um, this the, man can back up a trailer. Yeah, I, I want to. I, I have a class <laughs> A CDL. I got a motorcycle class. I you can, really? Oh, oh yeah. So I, I want to throw out you. You said something that the two of them went. Huh? Eckerd? No, I, <laughs> so, I remember. I know Eckerd. you. I know Eckerd you drugs. remember it. But there's probably people listening that don't know what well, Eckerd is. Eckerd Eckerd drugs, apple trees, right? Yeah. Oh, an apple tree. Yeah, yeah that's gone. So, uh, so um, what, what you didn't mention there, but I do know, mm-hmm. is that. At one point, you had a taco truck. I did. I, right. um, it was it, it, it ran parallel to my police job. Um, so you were a police officer as well as yes, <laughs> well as is, a, wow, okay. Yeah. And it was nonstop. I mean, um, yeah, um, it just I, I always have goals in my life and little pinpoints that I want to hit, and right. that's sure. just what life's about, you know. And I'm, I'm making sure I'm I'm hitting them. You Checking know, off the boxes. Exactly. As He's we go very through. passionate. I am. Yeah. But yeah. like she'll tell you, she goes, I'm passionate as heck for, for the for a month and a half. Sure. <laughs> and, then once, and then once I've reached it, you know, it's like. Mm. Uh, it becomes almost like an obsession. Job done. It's like, what's yeah. the next thing? Yeah. Yes. Well, and just quick story. I, I know that the two of you started coming to Texas Snow Fruit, my wife's yes. snow cone <laughs> company, a little over a year ago oh, when yes. one of you was expecting. Okay. Both of you were expecting. <laughs> but one of you was actually carrying. Right. And. It very quickly became Christine and I. She refers to you as Officer Greg. I don't know if you know that. I'll take that. She, she always, I saw Officer Greg today. I've been called I, worse. He came to get a snow cone for his wife. And oh, she yeah. kept telling me every time. And so I would say that a, a friendship has developed over the time. Very uh, much so. I would agree. Even to the point that the other day I kept walking up behind you going, I'm behind you. Don't shoot. I'm not sneaking up on you. <laughs> that is correct. So I, I, was yeah, I, I think you guys are very, very personable. Um, I think that when people get to know police officers, I think they'll find that about most people. Would, would so. you agree with that? Very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, We're people too. Yeah. <laughs> what? Are you sure? <laughs> and, yeah. and what people don't realize is, and that's what makes, a, in my eyes, that's what makes a good police officer is life experience, you know? So mm-hmm. when I go out to a, a call, I can relate to these people that are journeymen and been laid off or, you know, truck drivers or, cause I've done this and we can speak the lingo with them. Um, as you see, I'm, I'm tattooed on my arms, and, and I, it took me for a while to get some of these tattoos because I didn't want to speak of, of, of what they represented. So, you know, I have the survivor ribbon on my on my arm. I'm a testicular cancer survivor, you know. Yeah. So when I when I go to a call and I'm, I have somebody suffering for something similar of cancer, and I, I can relate to them. I've, I've sat in the doctor's office and gotten that diagnosis and, and felt yeah, sure. like it was the end of the world, you know. And I could tell them this. And then, you know, um, a lot of people don't know I was I was in a shooting two years in, into my career. I was in a shootout. Um, I mean, a true gunfight with with four wow. with four armed men. And mm-hmm. um, I start from PTSD still every now and then from this. And I can I can relate to. Okay, not not in the whole the whole thing of, of an army veteran because I don't I didn't stay out there in the field and I haven't done this for as long as I have, but. We, we have similarities that we can relate to. So sure. when I do make that call, it helps me, helps, helps them see me as a person. It's like, look, I, I, I can't say I know what you're going through, but I'll tell you what I've been through. Right. And it might feel similar yeah. to what you're going through. So um, to me, that's what, that's what makes me uh, a, a good officer. It's life experience. He sure. is a great officer. 
Well, not, yeah. He really is. I I've seen. Her. I haven't paid him to say this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've seen him like working and like tough situations, and it's like, man, if I, you know, were a citizen and I were to ever be arrested, I would want this oh. officer to do yeah. it, just because like he treats them as a person. Yeah, but from you, start to finish, like, but how do he's you never get to rude that? or disrespectful. You know, he just he's professional, personable, and it's like, man, that's great. Yeah. The, the, I think what you're going to ask is how you get to that part or how do you get that? Yeah. Okay. Well, mine was through listening to the officers, listen to the officers and, and taking what they say and truly understanding what they're saying. I had one officer tell me that you got to realize the person you're arresting is somebody's father, somebody's brother, somebody's dad, somebody's, you know, uncle. And you wouldn't want them to treat your family like that. Right. You know, and that's true. And then he also told me people fear the unknown. So when you're taking them to jail, they have no idea what's ahead of them. Right. But if you can tell them the process, like we're going to drive you here, we're going to book you in, you'll have to be able to make a phone call. Hey, you can even probably bond out tonight. You know, if you tell them the whole, from beginning to end, what's going to happen, you kind of take a little bit of the unknown away. Take that anxiety exactly. out. Exactly. And, yeah. and and just, you know, and it's true, you know, and, you know, with, with Camille starting um, her career, you know, I, we've, we we have many discussions on law enforcement. Of course, what it was then when I started, what it is now is a little different. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some of the, the, the players are different, but the game's still similar. You sure. know, it's just yeah. we have now we have a, we're in a bigger stadium and we have more people watching us. You know, gotcha. yes, for sure. So, yeah. so, you know, it's in, in our marriage, it's not like we sit around the table and talk about law enforcement 24 7 we yeah. really we really Coolest don't it. and people think that we do <clears throat> but I, it, I would think you would not want to do that exactly because you guys can relate to what's going on with less talking because like jake mentioned earlier we were talking i'm not going to go home if i'm an officer i'm not going to go home if i'm in the military i'm not going to go home and tell my wife everything she wants to know mm-hmm. but she doesn't want to know Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. There's a different situation with you guys because you both know what the other person is going through and it means you don't have to talk about it. And, and yeah. when we do talk about it, it makes it easier because sure. some of the lingo that law enforcement uses, uh, some of the civilians don't realize right, this. You don't have to explain so, it. Yeah, I can, I can go oh, home yeah. from work and tell her a situation that I had at work and she can totally relate to it. Just, you know, vice versa and with me. And then you can move on and exactly, be, and be, be done with it yes. instead of saying, you know, well, you know, we had this guy and he, he took off running. And what we, do you mean he was shooting at you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, we, it, and they're like, well, can you explain this to me? You know, this is just that part gets it's so much easier. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It is so much but, easier. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, we discussed. I was prior married, you know, and um, that was a, a situation that, that caused not not a rift, but it just caused me to back out, like you were saying, keep keep to myself, just because it was, I hate, hate to sound like it's it was a problem, but it just seemed more work to, to well, explain what happened at the job. Than and it's just, probably more of a protective <clears throat> mode as well. Yeah, right? they just say you shelter her from knowing all that's going on with you, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and parents are the same way. You know, my, my parents, I think, are a little oblivious to what I do they of course because i'm their youngest son they think i'm just dressed up in this cute little uniform the youngest they, one is always the best it, it, I'm it, just gonna say. Yeah. i've <laughs> seen it they, they they think we're joking with them sometimes yeah. like there'll be a, like a new legislative update and we'll tell them about it <laughs> they think we're we're joking that's funny it's like why you know, would i joke with, about this even with my my shooting that occurred back you know two years into my career i kind of feel like my parents kind of push that out of their minds because it's like they don't realize that this can still happen and that when we leave the house you know we of course we tell our parents hello and everything because i drop off my son over there but i still think in their minds that we're not 
You're playing dress up. We're playing dress up. Yeah. I don't think they know that we actually pull our guns and point them at people, and that we get stolen vehicles, and that but, we're getting yeah. pursuits. <laughs> but again, that might be a defense mechanism. I would think so. I, I agree. I would think sure. so. Yeah, I agree. Well, you got to kind of separate your yourself from that a little bit yeah. in order to, yeah. as a parent, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's got to be a tough thing. I, to, I know we're pretty close to wanting to take a break, but real quick. We we talked before we started talking here, and, and we've known this a little bit, but I want you guys to touch on it. You were previously married. You had kid with your previous wife. Correct. You now have another one now. Correct. So you have a <laughs> son and a granddaughter almost the same age. A month apart. A month apart. <laughs> they're a month so, apart. So tell us how that relationship is, and, and how do you think? And, and they're both less than a year, right? Yes. <laughs> less yeah. than a year. So how's that relationship? <laughs> How does this relationship go together? Because like, you mentioned you're the same age as Greg's We're three years daughter. apart. Pretty close. Okay. So her and I are like really good friends is the best way to describe it. Like she'll call me and I'll text her if she has any questions. And especially because her and I are new moms and we were pregnant together. And so we were, you know, uh, like if I had a concern or she had a concern, like, are you experiencing this or am I experiencing that? And now that our babies are here into the world and they are at, usually at Greg's mom's house for daycare. Right. And so my son is her uncle and that's his niece. And so uncle and niece at daycare together, you know, they're learning social skills together. They're learning to share. They're trying new foods. And I mean, it's great. It really yeah. is. It keeps his parents young, active because, you know, his mom would go to the Y for Zumba, but <laughs> it's still closed. And so yeah. she's chasing them around all day. Got you. Yeah. Well, and one of the things when we found out that my daughter was pregnant at the same time we were having a baby, Camille was like, well, you know, what are we going to say when we take both the children out together? She goes, well, you know what? We'll just tell them they're twins instead of trying to. You don't have to tell them, yeah. well, right? You know, just instead of people well, asking because those, gonna like, be so cute. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. exactly. But then they're born and they look nothing like. They're <laughs> nothing like he is twice her size. He has blonde hair, blue eyes. He's a big boy. He's uh, a big no, boy. he's blonde hair, blue eyes, fair skin, and she has darker skin, full head of hair, full <laughs> black, thick, luscious hair, and she's this tiny, petite, like little princess. <laughs> so they really look nothing. So like. she clearly got the hair from you. Yeah. <laughs> that you don't have anymore. Correct. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. Well, we're going to keep talking with the Hernandezes, but first let's take a moment and thank our sponsors. Hi, this is Christina with Texas Snowfruit. We're a shave ice company located in Scopel Square in the heart of Alvin. Stop by and see us or visit us on our website at texassnowfruit.com. Hi, this is Carrie Perrin, President and CEO of the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce. Here at the Chamber, we want to support local businesses. We want to give you visibility in the community. We want to give you opportunity in the community. And for those of you that aren't business owners, we want to let you know about all our wonderful Chamber members. And if you support them, you support our community. So remember, whether you're a business or a community member, when you eat, shop, play, and support local business, you support the community. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the jobs that you both currently hold. What is it? You, you mentioned PTSD earlier, and I get that there's a lot of people that have been through a lot less than what you have even shared here that still suffer, maybe not from PTSD, but they have issues dealing with that stress going home to somebody that may not be in the same field as them, and they're trying to 
navigate life. So what is it you guys do that helps you deal with that stress and keep that from really affecting you? I get it out. Like I vent or just talk, communicate with my husband. I got to get it out of my system, get it out of my body, put it out there. And usually I'm good. Or eat. I, I, I stress eat a lot. Sorry. <laughs> Pastries especially. I know that's not very healthy, but, like, that makes me feel good. <laughs> so, like, I'll vent and usually make a cup of coffee and, like, eat, um, like, some pan dulce. You said make uh, you said make coffee, but you meant go to the coffee house and get some. I, I know that that's too. what you meant, but that that's too. okay. We won't hold it against you. Yeah. <laughs> As for me, let's see. I, I hold it in and push it down way deep. No, I used to. <laughs> <laughs> I really did used to um, prior 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 to meeting Camille and and her she, she's actually been a godsend to me because she's actually taught me how to talk and and get, <clears throat> she actually pulls it out of me she doesn't let me keep it in but you know prior to nicely her, pull it out no I understand <laughs> I know I got you I, I was gonna say Camille. that's why he doesn't have hair anymore <laughs> <laughs> you know when we got married that's when he started going bald okay well, like I was no. saying <laughs> so no well, prior to Camille I did push it in and I would stay up three nights in a row sometimes I would not you know I would I was that person that would say if I go to sleep now I can get four hours of sleep and then if I go to sleep now I can get three hours and 30 minutes of sleep and if I go to sleep now I can actually get two hours of sleep before yeah. and then before I knew it it's time to go to work so I did I'd walk around Walmart I would my ex would fall asleep and I'd get up I'd walk the neighborhood I'd walk the streets I'd turn the TV I'd turn the TV off because I couldn't hear it I didn't want to hear it I wanted to hear it I wanted to see it it, it was just a big traumatic thing um, and you know, it, it got to the point where I had, and, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say it because it helps other people to hear it, but right. it got to the point where I wanted to take my life at one point, you know, and I had to actually unload my gun and lock it away. Yeah. I and can see it being obviously very overwhelming. The, the, and, and the more it dragged out, the worse it got. And I'd still go to work like this, you know, and, um, I didn't reach out because in fear of losing your job, you know, oh, yeah. in fear of what people would think of you as being a police officer, you know? So what do the you think stigma? it is? What do you think it is that changed your mindset to take the bullets out of the gun and lock it up? Um, like just just knowing that I had a daughter that needed me, and that there was there was more more people that that would it wasn't the right situation. It wasn't the right thing to do. And being around situations where people have committed suicide as an officer yeah. and watching the outcome, watching their families, it's not anything you'd want to do to your family. If you really cared about somebody, you wouldn't do it to yeah. them. So, um, yeah, it's just, I remember this clear as day still is, is, you know, I was working, um, I was working for Buck then as well, uh, Constable Stevens. And there was a, a call that came out. It was a bank robbery in Pearland. And, the guy was still inside the bank with a shotgun. He was going to exit, and Pearland was already out there. Well, it was a couple of, you know, it was, it, was not, it was close to our office, so, and that was the day I went and told my boss. I said, look, I need help. Wow. Because I went the other way. Because you didn't go towards them. Exactly. So, um, and uh, Buck was uh, very understanding. He, he got a hold of uh, Houston Police Department because they have the, the, the resources right. and sent me out sure. there and, um with the, uh, he, he took me off the streets and bought me in. He's like, okay, you can come and do desk duty while we get this done. And, and um, he worked with me and, and got me back, back right. And then later on, years later, I met Camille and, and she showed me how to get it out without. Um, Communicate. Yeah without, yeah, without fear, without fear of what somebody else would think about it, you know. And um, I mean, I still remember when we first, you know, got together and um, 
I would have an episode and she could see him coming on before I could even have have one. She'd see it coming on and she'd pull it out of me. And um, it was just a whole different situation and it helped helped me. Um, yeah. It, it seems to me you got to, people in general, not just you, but, you know, in, in general, you got to figure out how to slowly open the faucet yeah, instead exactly. of just like rushing it. Yeah. yeah. Fire hose. Cause yeah. I can see when, when a person bottles it up and bottles it up that when it, when it comes out, it doesn't come out slowly. Yes. And, and one of the problems being is, and I'm sure a lot of people experience this, that, that, that have a situation similar to mine um, with the shootout and everything is that I was too busy getting praised and being celebrated to have time for myself to decompress and let out what actually really happened. So people were too busy celebrating you to realize what you were going yeah, through. I was, I was being told what great of a job I did. You know, I went to the governor's office and I got an award from governor Perry then and the hundred club awarded me all the rookie of the year. And I was just too busy being celebrated. You were a rookie when this happened? Yeah. I was less than two years into my oh career. My and, um, you know, it was just a, 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 a constant celebration. I took a week off of work so I could, press and go back to night shift again while I was working nights again. And, you know, part of the thing is being a breadwinner is you don't have that time to take off because I had mortgage, I had car notes. So, mm-hmm. you know, a small department like Brookside Village didn't have the, the means to, to sure. give me any more off than a week paid. And then it's time to come back to work, you know, and they didn't have the, um, the means to send me to um, like, like Buck found, you know, Houston to help me out for yeah. resources. Well, you know, back then the Brookside Village didn't have those resources well, either. Yeah, eighteen years ago, yes. right? I yeah, mean, two thousand three, uh, sixteen years. And that's the other thing too is that nowadays it seems that hopefully, hopefully nowadays there's more resources available yeah. to you. Oh, there definitely yes. is. Like yeah. my department is very progressive, yes. especially um, when it comes to like mental health things. And that's good. I mean, I can't imagine. Being in a being in a shootout, right? First of all, I'm not an officer of the law or anything, but the, I, I've heard it said of people that were in the military that you know they they survive a battle and they get an accommodation or something, and it's mm-hmm. like we're really getting commended for the worst day of our lives. Yeah, exactly. You know? And every time you look at the award, it's kind of a reminder what happened that day. Yeah. So, and you know, um, with with all that being said as well, these situations also make you make myself a, a better supervisor. I could supervise the, the troops that we have now, the officers that we have now. And um, I, I, um, I can see situations in their eyes when they're having, uh, and, and PTSD can arise from anything. I mean, it can arise from making too many car accidents where you see, you know, bad situations, sure. yeah. you know, over and over again, you, you, you see this. Um, and it just, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a um, matter of fact, you know, being diagnosed with cancer could, could strike PTSD. Anything that's a, uh, uh, you know, really strong, um, like a life altering. Exactly. Yeah, something that could like really exactly. affect you. Well, not, I mean, it, it's an awkward thing to say, but to me, I would almost rather have officers on my team that are, are struggling with that because you're working through it and you're trying to do something about it versus becoming desensitized to it, to where exactly. it doesn't bother you. Yes, sir. That would make me more nervous. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about supervising a crew is that, I understand that we have mental health days and there's days that you're not, your head's not in the game and it could be anything from you fighting with your spouse to a, a, a true mental health issue, something you lost yeah. a, fa- a loved one, a father, a grandparent. And I don't want you at my, uh, at work with sure. that on your, on your mind. I need you to be a hundred percent into the game. So when, when, when the officers tell me, Hey, you know, I really have something going on with my family or, you know, maybe my wife or have a disagreement or whatever, take the day off. Get, get yourself straight, get your head back in the game, and then come back to work, you know? I so. think it's fantastic that the 
constable's office recognizes that it's not just something on duty that could cause a problem. No, no, definitely. Yes, definitely. And, you know, um, with, with Camille, you know, and, and me, she's, she's taught me ways to, to, uh, um, deal with it other than to not push it down. Deep. Exactly. Yeah. Not push it down. Deep. And she accepts it. She sure. knows she's seen me at my worst and, sure. and, you know, she's accepted it and it just, uh, it makes me a lot more, uh, Secure and, and letting her know when, when, and she can usually see them when they're coming. <laughs> yeah. She really, yeah, yeah. I'm really good at reading him. Well, yeah. well I tell you what, let, <laughs> let's pivot just a little bit and let's uh, let's talk about what it is that you enjoy most about what you're doing right now. Camille, let's start with you. I enjoy being out there in the you know in the freedom of the world with the citizens and of course helping people. I like to help people make a difference. A lot of officers say that, but it, it you know you can make a difference in so many different ways. You know, it doesn't have to just be, oh, I arrested this person and they changed their life around or, you know, I can just make a, there's no such thing as a simple traffic stop, but I could make sure. a traffic stop. Maybe somebody ran a stop sign and, you know, I was just very professional, polite, and maybe every interaction with an officer before that was super negative and they can be like, man, she was super nice yeah. and yeah. she wasn't rude to me at all. But, you know, I enjoy that. I like uh, turning that around for law enforcement because now more than ever we need that you know in every field sure. there's there's bad you know bad nurses bad doctors bad teachers there's bad people that work at you know fast food joints they're mm -hmm. of course bad sure. officers you know and no one hates a, a bad officer more than a good officer no, no i would absolutely so it's like sure i like having that making good impressions on people at, in law enforcement like mm -hmm. i enjoy that because yeah. that's why i got into this because yeah. I don't need to be, yeah, I can turn it on and off, of course. But if I don't need to be rude, I don't need to be, you know, a, a 10, I'm not going to. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and I think we've talked about it before and, and maybe on the podcast that you never know the impact that you have on somebody that you're going to run into. You you might be the difference that, sadly, you could be the difference that pushes them over the edge. Exactly. But more than likely, hopefully, you're that thing that pushes them to the good, pulls them back to the you know, yeah. away from a life of crime I, or whatever you want to call always, it. I mean, I mean, I have bad days. Greg has bad days. You know, people, they're just, they're people. They're going to work. They're running late to work. I understand that, you know. You know, maybe they ran that red light because, you know, if they're late one more time, they're going to get fired. I get it. You sure. Know? So there's no need for me to be rude. Belittling or yeah, whatever. Sure. No, they're already, I've already stopped them. They're having, I've, they're coming in contact with the You've police You've already delayed officer. them enough. Exactly. Yeah. Well, That's they, what, de they that, delayed themselves. Right. So <laughs> when I speed and I get pulled over, all I'm thinking is, all that time I made up, you're taking it away from me. Oh my God. <laughs> that is really what I think. So, <laughs> But you did But it hasn't happened in a very long time. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, at least I a mean, year and a half. We're very understanding. And so if, if there's no need for me to be rude and yeah. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And you? Um, okay, so with Camille's just starting her career, so with that, I really enjoy hearing her stories because it reminds me of when I first started and the mindset that I had and how it's changed a little bit. But, um, you know, for me, I'm with her the same way. Um, I was taught that you don't always have to give somebody a citation to make a ticket, a, a a charge to make an impact on somebody, you know, um, there's some people that obviously with their attitude and, and thing that they, they need a, to be shaken a little more than others. 
not physically. No, I understand. <laughs> but um, so you will just write, for clarification because <laughs> you've got to understand. It, and you know, I talked about this with Camille often. You know, with her being an officer, we talk uh, a few times about citations. I said you got to realize that a no seatbelt citation. Well, I don't know what it is now, but it was two hundred and fifty dollars. You know, a couple of years ago. Wow. So then you take that in, in, in perspective and think. How many hours does this guy have to work to make $250? So you're taking four to five days away of pay from this guy yeah. for one day, for one setback. So $250 is $250. It could be the difference between making rent and not making rent. Right, but pulling him over and giving him a ticket might actually save his life. And it could. Well, and, and being in law enforcement, so, of course, we run, you know, we run people, and I can see how many times they've been stopped and how many times they've oh, gotten that, a warning or a citation. <laughs> and that. so, you know, <laughs> and so maybe you've gotten pulled over 10 times for not wearing a seatbelt. Yeah, sure. Well, obviously, this yeah. is now. There's several things that come into this because his mom. <laughs> yeah. like, There's several know, things that come into play when you're so writing a like, citation. It's no, not, it's not. Yeah, just cut and dry. There's several, you know, like... There's like, a lot of factors. Yeah, like Camille said, okay. you know, if, if they had priors, if they show a, a continuation of the same pattern, then, yeah, sometimes it's not, but, yeah. And, and so, Camille, I want to ask you a question. Uh, obviously, in 2021, mm-hmm. um, police uh, officers deal with a ton to begin with. How do you, I don't know how to say it other than psych yourself up, every day to, to put on that uniform, right? It, you have an extra level. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say going against you, but it's okay. there's an extra, you have an extra level um, that Greg doesn't, right? Greg's a big boy. He carries himself with the weight. Let me tell you oh, something. Oh, watch out. Oh, my God. But I'm with <laughs> you. Like, you that's doing? my question. Like, I know so, that. You're no. obviously a yes, police officer. I'm five three, so y'all can't see me. I'm five foot three, and I'm not. So is Greg. <laughs> no, he's not. He's taller than me. I'm five three. I'm a, I'm not five the four, tiniest sorry. female around. I'm uh, thicker, but not you know curvier. Okay, thank you. That was <laughs> strong. Or what? <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> I'm strong. That was her husband. Um, yeah. How? Okay, I can see that. You know. I have lots of tools to use, tools to fail. Um, I have confidence, my attitude. I know my capabilities. My department, like I said, we're progressive, and I just went through a defensive tactics training, and sure. we were doing jujitsu, and I loved it. And I learned so many things, and so I was rolling with one of the instructors, and he wasn't going easy on me. And for 100 seconds, I had to figure it out. No, like just my tools didn't work. My backup wasn't going to be there until 100 seconds had passed. And so I have those tools to use because I think about them every day. I'm constantly hypervigilant, maybe more so than Greg is just being a smaller female. No, no. (laughs) As as a smaller female, because if I am dealing with somebody who is significantly larger, you know, there are officer safety concerns in that aspect. But I mean, I don't go down, go into work with my head down. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like six foot tall, 350 pounds. Like, and when I'm walking next to my coworkers, I'm like, how tall are you? You're six two, right? Because I'm pretty good at gauging. They're like, yeah. I was like, man, I didn't realize how much shorter I am than you because I feel, I feel so six foot tall. Yeah, yeah, I feel big and strong. And and I think that. Is important. Like I, I've, I've joked, I can go into a room. I'm six four. I can go into a room and no one knows that I'm there. You know, I can yeah. kind of shrink myself exactly. down, and I can go to a room and people know that I'm there. Mm-hmm. And I think that 
what you're saying is the exact same thing. You, as an officer. Put me in presence. Yes. You walk in, you own the room. That's I your do. job. That's yep. what you're supposed to do. Or you own that uh, traffic that's, stop that's or whatever. Scene. Yeah, exactly. Well, And I can say, um, watching Camille with her training as she started her career um, locally, I'm very impressed with the training that she has been getting with the department. And it really has thrown me for a loop. And I've told her several times that I'm really excited that they're taking the time and doing this with you because, you know, when we started, it was, you sit in a car with a senior officer and they're going to show you the ropes. Right. And that was it. And if the senior officer handles the situation different than so-and-so handles it, then you're going to learn five different ways by the time you're done. Well, where she's at now, they, they're getting them uh, the same across the board. So they know what to expect from the other officers that Fantastic. when they get into a, uh, a family traffic stop or a building search, that they're all on the same page. They have a way it, of doing you, things. Yeah, it should be. Before they even get a vehicle. Good. Exactly. But some departments don't have that. They're not, they don't have the, the manpower. They don't have the resources, resources the yeah. funds. So I really am excited and happy with what, what, how she, her training is well, going. I'm curious to know if you guys have a different answer for this question. So 18 years in, two years in, what would you tell somebody looking to become an officer right now? Well, my, my daughter's boyfriend wants to, he came to me and said he wants to do it, get into law enforcement. And I told him do it because first of all, I've been, okay, so you don't have to be the most educated guy to be in law enforcement. I'm going to tell you right now. They will, they will educate you sure. and get you where you need Properly. to be. Yeah. Same exactly. thing as the military, right? Exactly. Yeah, I got you. So, and, and he has college. Just, I'm going to say he doesn't have any college, but truthfully, I dropped out of high school my senior year. You know, sure. I got my GED. I have advanced. I'm a sergeant to where I'm at. And then you went to college. I did, but most of my <laughs> most of who I am is based on my my life experiences experience up to this sure. point. Okay, that's how I sure. that's how I got to where I am. So I told him, I said, "Look, if you become a police officer, I said one thing: you always have a job. You'll never be unemployed, of course, unless you mess up. But you'll sure. you always yeah. have a job. You'll never be unemployed. Hurricane hits, you know, whatever hits, you're going to work overtime. Everybody else is evacuating. They're Probably not going to get paid for the week that they're gone. True. You're going to be working overtime. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a place to stay because you're going to stay at the PD. <laughs> you're going to yeah. have food to eat because sure. they're going to provide you with food. To me, being an officer is one of the best things that I uh, that anybody could do. You know, because, okay, yeah, people say, well, people don't like you. But you know what? I've come across more people who liked me then didn't. They don't like what you represent. Exactly. Right. They don't they don't like that, the uniform. That's a good point. They don't they, they they don't like the uniform. They they the, don't know yes. you as a person. We we wear our flag on our body. They don't like Yeah, and that's becoming more yeah. divisive as we move through you know, the years. But state of Texas, Missouri County is pro police. I'll yes. tell you that right now. Yeah. I've I've had I've had many people buy me lunch and not not take credit for it. Just your lunch has been paid for. I've had many people, you know, taking care of, you know, coffee or whatever. And Missouri County, Texas is pro police, and I, I now I can't say if they say they wanted to work in Harris County, I'd be have the same effect, and that's true. Sure, yeah. we're talking about just one county over, right? And and my answer would change if he asked me that. Okay, you know, yeah. so you know, if you ask me if you want to be a Missouri County a tech, uh, at work as an officer in Missouri County, Texas, yes. Okay, what about you? Yes. In Brazoria County, yes. No, no, no. The answer to the question, which is, <laughs> no, what would you? I know. What would you tell somebody that's looking to become an officer at it. this point? They should do it. You know, put, go through the academy. If they can get sponsored through a department, I always tell them that if you can get the department to pay for you to go to school, even better. That's not money sure. coming out of your pocket, and that's less worry for you. 
And most people through the academy, if they they know this isn't for them, they're going to leave. And you or know, shortly after starting the program, or sh- or, or very shortly yeah. getting on in a department. That's one thing know. about law enforcement. So I agree. Is, yes, if they're very interested in doing it, do it. So is the is the demand for police officers growing or shrinking it's, right now? It's super high. It's very high in demand. Is there enough going to the academies as you mentioned, or yes. or is there a shortage right now? There's a. Sh- there's a shortage going, at least for for us, going just because the the time it takes to get them sure. in the academy. I can't say there's a shortage going. I think there's a, and this probably sounds bad, but I think there's a shortage of qualified people oh, that's a going to the academy. Too. People are going to the academy that are not going to be a qualified officer. And let me tell you, the police academy is a business, okay? So they will take your money and they will put you through this class and they will gift you to the Texas uh, T cold to take the exam. And you might pass the exam, you might not. But the police academy is a business and, you know, they're there to make money. So um, after you get out of the academy, that's when it's all on you to find a department and to see if it's actually a fit for you. Yeah. So, well, and a lot of times, if I'm not mistaken, well, while a, a city or a county might be hiring a parks attendant 12 months out of the year, it's like every six months yeah. they're kind of accepting applications for police officers. Oh, there's yes, a process definitely. for mm-hmm. it has come thing. to the point where people are offering bonuses to come sign on oh, as a yeah. police officer. And that was unheard of for sure. 18 years ago when I started, right. let me tell you when I started at Brookside village, I made $11 and 48 cents an hour. <laughs> so I got a phone call from home Depot the exact same time. I got a phone call to work for Brookside village and home Depot paid me more to stock nights. Wow. And I turned them down because I wanted to be a police officer. So I went and worked for Brookside Village at 11.48 an hour. There's definitely a, a, a team aspect. I, Dorian and I have talked about the fact we grew up playing sports, and I, we both played soccer. And to me, that's, I love teamwork. And I love yeah. the, when you mm-hmm. talk about consistency in your training, to me, it's so incredibly important that if you're going to a door, if you're, you're doing a traffic stop, yep. you're that page. I know what you're doing, you know what I'm doing, because we're going the same direction. Definitely. And you and do you do get to learn um, your coworkers. Um, the other day, while working, one of them got on their their handheld radio and said um, some traffic over the radio, and he doesn't do that. Like he he doesn't do that. He does everything on the computer. Okay. So you roll on by. What you got? And of course, you know, he needed our help. He wasn't, you know, in any danger or anything. But like it was that. his way of signaling but that exactly. something's yeah. different this time. Exactly. And so, so you, you and you know them so enough to know that so that you was out start of the ordinary. Learning their sure. pick up, um, their cool. cues and who is more. Um, yeah, exactly. Their Fantastic. Cues. Well, I know we're nearing the end of our discussion time, but I wanted to ask you guys real quick. You have a couple of causes. I know you've mentioned two of them while we're sitting here, and then you have another cause that you want to talk about that you want to encourage people to do. Is that correct about animal adoption and stuff? Yes. What would you like to say? So the Alvin Animal Adoption Center, they're at full capacity right now. They need fosters and adopters more than ever. Um, so if anyone's interested in a new pet or maybe they know somebody, stop on by, take a look. I don't know the address, but I know if you're on Highway 6, you go it's under the railroad track. Oh, look at that. <laughs> west Highway 6. So you go if you're going west from Gordon, you go under the railroad tracks and then make an immediate left as soon as you can. Yes. And there, and there is a big sign 
yeah. as well. And, but and if it you comes can't on you adopt, fast. and if you can't adopt or foster, they always are in need of funds also for oh, so you can donate food, you can, you can donate money, you can. Yes. toys, all Absolutely. those things. Fantastic time volunteers yes. to get the to get you know the dogs out for walks or in the cat room to get the kitties out and playing sure. in the cat room as well because for their mental health as well. Absolutely, you know it's good and. You know, if and when I uh, would go there and I would see, you know, dogs, like, some of the volunteers will teach them to sit and to shake. That makes them more adoptable. That's well, awesome. And and I run a nonprofit in Pearland that deals with Pearland Animal Control, Pearland Animal Shelter, whatever it's called. Can't remember what it's called. Animal Services. But they actually do a really good job of trying to reunite pets with their original owners oh, or whatever yes. it is but but alvin does a fantastic job too i see them searching on facebook they're posting yes. they're trying to find owners and what they've done is they've taken to the next level where everybody that adopts they're actually taking their photo they're publishing them saying hey mm-hmm. these people have done we we've actually seen friends show up on there and we're like oh you got a yeah. dog huh well and mm-hmm. they're constantly scanning the animals for microchips so even even if the animal did come in <clears throat> you know and it's still there a month <clears throat> excuse me They'll keep rescanning them and see if maybe they missed that microchip. Sure. Where was it? Was it near Austin where a dog had yes. come in and they um, they got a hold of that owner and he drove Fantastic. all the way down. That's crazy. And to oh, yeah. Because awesome. the dog was actually stolen from oh, up there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you, you have two things you want to talk uh, about, two of which you've actually one mentioned. Of, one of the most important things I want to mention is, is uh, the amount of young guys who do not test themselves for testicular cancer. Mine was a, at a, a, I, I don't even know why, but I was that guy who would, who would check myself. At, and if you don't know how, go online and look out the proper way yeah. to do it. And when I found that lump, it was just, your heart will drop. But if you didn't find it, the, the results would have been way different if I, if I had not been that one guy to check myself. And I was, um, I want to say I was 28. Wow. Six. <laughs> he checks his tattoos. <laughs> He's looking at his tattoo to see what year it was. Um, so it is a young man's, um, you know, um, cancer. You know, it, the, 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 I want to say the it's strange, it's, it, it broads from 24 to the 30s is when you're like at the most, most, um, up time that you'll have. I, I actually didn't know that. So that's so, good um, information. But yeah, um, I wish more people would, 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 um, check themselves and, and not be afraid to, uh, you know, touch themselves <laughs> to say, but, um, but okay, we'll, we'll cut that out. <laughs> but it's, no, it, 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 it will, it could save your life. It, yes. Their body. It, it could save Thank your you, life. Camille. And, yeah. and the second one is PTSD. Talk to somebody if, if, if post-traumatic st- stress distance. It's correct. And, and don't be, af- uh, don't be afraid to admit that you're having these feelings of uh, suicide and, and people, you know, uh, and but, but actually get talk about it before you get to that point. Yeah. Right? Well, not only too many people do. Sure. Yeah. If you, if you definitely get can talk to before you get to that point, but if you get to that point, definitely talk to somebody. Well, yeah. And also, you know, people don't think about it, but you you can call the department in an office. Like, if someone called the station, I would go respond. And if they just needed like a wellness check or a something, a welfare concern, you know, people don't think about that, but I'll sit there and I'll listen to you. So use the resources we that use are the available resources. to you. I yeah. just realized that I'm. If people don't know me, I'm the face of depression. I'm the face of anxiety. I'm the face of PTSD. Sure. And anybody that knows me knows I'm a happy guy. Yeah, I'm always, smi- sure. I'm always smiling. Very- I'm always joking around. Yeah, but I do suffer. And there's and and there's times where I I 
do go into depression for a time and Camille has to pull me out. Yeah. So. I can, I can see being an officer thinking all these resources that are available. They're not for me. They're for the people that I'm dealing with. Right. It's, yeah. So it's hard to that, I think that's, that's a, I think that's a, an excellent piece of advice. So yes. hopefully if anybody out there is listening, listen to what they're saying yeah, and, definitely. and really get yourself help. And I'm, always available if you can't get a hold of me find a way to get a hold of me okay, and we'll share his phone number <laughs> no no we won't do that <laughs> go to the we coffee house phones. and ask for me but no I, I will sit there and talk to somebody if they really need it because i've been there those are my two things testicular cancer and ptsd well, and going back to the cancer thing greg did tell me and i didn't know this that um it affects your lungs like that's the next thing after testicular cancer yeah, it travels there's a uh, tube that connects your lungs and, and your then, testicles together and then it, and it turns into lung there. cancer mm-hmm. wow so it becomes yeah. wow. uh, devastating. Huh. The things you learn on creating you know. community with Dorian and Jake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well listen, I we, do appreciate y'all having us. We, oh, no, we, we have enjoyed our time We here. appreciate you guys coming and talking. I know that it can be, even though you're officers, it can still be stressful coming in, talking to a couple of uh, yahoos over here that uh, you don't know what we're going to ask you. You don't know if we're going to throw you under the bus. But, I've been asked worse. Hey, <laughs> yeah, this I is hope true. so. Yeah, this is true. true. We've dealt yeah. with worse. So, and, and, and like many people before, like, you guys seem very relaxed and personable and we've talked to a few officers and I, I gotta say they've all been approachable uh, as long as you're doing something good as long as you're not doing something bad go to the officers it's okay to talk to them oh, take, take time to get to know them definitely right yeah, absolutely and for with and for children too as well um you know i don't i don't like when people say you see that officer they're gonna take you to jail yeah i don't i don't want your child afraid of me like i want to discipline i want them to come to me for help exactly yeah well fantastic well thank you so much for coming in we really appreciate taking the time to sit down with us thank you for having me be happy to come back for part two yeah. Yes. There will be no part two with you. It'll just be Camille. That's okay. He talks for the both of us. I, I tell you what, we'll, we'll talk again once you retire and you open your food truck. Oh, that sounds great. There you go. Taco truck. That's coming. right. That's true. I'll do that. Yeah. Well, it, if you're interested in sponsoring Creating Community with Dorian and Jake, we'd love to talk to you. Our goal is to reach our community and let them know about great leaders and businesses that are helping to make it better. If you want to be a part of that, please email us at info at 1820marketing.com to start the conversation. Speaking of sponsorships, thank you to Texas Snowfruit and the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce, who let us use their building again to sponsor this show. Learn more about Texas Snowfruit at texasnowfruit.com and the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce at alvinmanvillechamber.org. Creating Community with Dorian and Jake is produced by 1820 Marketing and is available wherever you get your podcast. Show notes and more are available at 1820marketing.com slash podcast as well. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week.